With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello there and welcome to episode five of the Hockey News on the Queue. I'm Will McLaren. He's Jamie Tozer. And right off the bat, in this episode, we're joined by the head coach of the Victoriaville Pig, um, who are off to a fantastic start in this 2022-2023 regular season. Honorable mention in the CHL Top 10 this week. And also, this guy just got back from the West Coast as one of the assistant coaches for Team Canada at the World Under-17s. Carl Millette. Carl, it's a pleasure to have you on board. It's a pleasure to be. Thanks. Now, uh, Carl, I guess first and foremost, this is your second year in a row um, coaching internationally. You were with uh, Canada Red at last year's event, Canada Black at this year's event. Um, what's it like for, for you and, and, and just the staff in general to uh, be put in that situation where you go from that day-to-day grind with your, with your own guys in Victoriaville to uh, trying to bring uh, this group of kids from three different leagues together uh, or even in, in beyond uh, three leagues, I should say, with the under-18 under 18 league. Uh, what's it like to bring the, these guys together under short notice and, uh, and try and uh, get some cohesion? Well, first thing off, it's well, it's totally different. And uh, the, the main thing is was for us is to get, to get to know them as fast as we could. And um, so we had a lot of Zoom calls before the tournament, obviously. And uh, it's always challenging, you know, with our own teams. We, we get to know our players. We work with them every day um, compared to that tournament that, that was for two weeks. So uh, most of it was uh, those meetings were getting to know them, obviously, and try to create a chemistry with them. And uh, I think we did quite good on that part. And um, it's, it's, it's totally different than, you know, coaching your own team for a year, uh, meaning the structure, the system wise and everything. And uh, we had a plan, our coaching staff had a plan. Mark O'Leary was our head coach and uh, he, he had something simple for us. And uh, we really liked it as a, his assistant coach and especially the players uh, because there's so much you can teach. There's so much you can do in only two weeks. Um, but you have to keep it simple. And uh, so we were based on, uh, we had standards, um, we had key points, and we did talk to them, to the players for the two weeks of those standards, obviously. For you as a coach, um, is there anything when you go to these events that you you bring back and, and try and put in, in place and, and with your own team? Well, for sure. And uh I'm a coach that wants to learn every day and wants to get better every day. And uh, to be honest with you guys, uh, I'm, a, I'm a young coach. And it's, it's only my third year as a head coach. But I've been, uh, obviously, assistant coach four years. And uh, every day I learn. And uh, for me, Carl Millette is one of the coaches. And the other coaches have all good ideas, all good systems. And uh, obviously, going there, um, I did learn a lot. Uh, I learned from Mark. I did learn from the other teams. Um, to be quite honest with you guys, playing a Swedish, the Swedish team and the USA, it's a they're they're special. 
Um, there's a lot of uh, system different than back home here in the queue. And um, they were just fun to watch, fun to watch, fun to play against. And obviously, I brought a lot of video clips uh, back home. And uh, I won't tell everyone what I, what I did bring, but uh, obviously, there's a lot of things that I learned down there. Yeah, and that uh, U.S. team, as you mentioned, you know, if you're going to if you're going to copy any team, that U.S. one would be as good of a one to start with. The gold medalist, of course, is you're uh, out in the left coast, uh, but you know you're you're back in Victoriaville, back to the grind, and uh, you have been very successful this season. Um, you know, you're only two years removed from that uh, President Cup in the bubble back in 2021, but I remember you saying something last year that you knew you know it's year zero basically of the retooling in in uh, victoriaville uh you knew that it, it wasn't gonna be the most talented team but it was gonna be one of the hardest working teams and uh, we, we all have seen the success that you've had so far uh, this year carl do you think a lot of what you've tried to implement in the last year's team that had to fight for every point is really coming to the surface with with a greater degree of talent this year well, for sure. And uh, like you just mentioned, we're still a young team. And uh, I'm so proud of my team right now because the way we handle ourselves every day. And, uh, you know, after winning a championship last year, we had a lot of adversity, uh, all the trades, uh, all the injuries to key players. And uh, what I did appreciate last year is we didn't make the playoff by one point, but we had 25 wins. And uh, most of the nights, we had 15 rookies in the lineup. And uh, there's one thing that I did like, appreciate last year is we never quit. And our work ethic was awesome. For in the practices, guys wanted to win games and they wanted to prepare themselves to win hockey games. And, but obviously, with 15 rookies, it's it was quite hard. And uh, my veterans just kept on going. And uh, we brought that culture this year. And... Uh, I, I'm lucky right now to be working with most of them for the second year. And uh, from day one of camp, it felt like it was already day 366. Um, they knew me. I knew them. Uh, to be quite honest, uh, we haven't changed that much of our system. and But we're just on the same page right now. And uh, my veterans are leading the way right now. Uh, everybody's buying it, uh, buying in. Um we just been in every game, and we have a good record right now. And even our losses, uh, sometimes we just need the other team make comebacks on us, beat us in overtime. But uh, I'm so proud of the work ethic right now. Uh, fun group to work with. Um, there's so much we can teach them right now because they have the right habits. And every night, to be honest with you guys, uh, we're getting a hell of a Hell of a job from our goaltenders. Our goaltenders are, have been awesome for us. Uh, we're lucky to have two really number ones, and right now they're giving us a chance to win every night. Well, you mentioned the goaltenders. Um, one person who uh, has a lot of attention on the season, uh, Gabriel Dagg. What have you thought of him so far, the second overall pick in the draft? He's, uh, he's just an unbelievable kid, uh, to be honest. We all know he's a great goalie. Uh, he's not even 16 years old yet. And he's, um, he's improving every day. Uh, Sébastien Charpentier, a goalie coach with, with us, works with him every day. And uh, what's impressive right now is every day he gets better. And uh, we're lucky enough to have him and drafted him second overall. And, uh, you know, and, but 
he's got a really good partner right now in Nathan Darvaux, uh, who was who was his our MVP last year. Uh, he's our number one right now. He's 19 years old, five foot eight, but he shows up every game. And uh, I haven't seen uh, him have a bad start in two years. And he's uh, he's quiet and honest and uh, unbelievable goalie. So right now, he really does do a good job with Gab. Um, so we start, we have the chance to start Gab when we want to. Um, he's only 15, so we're protecting him a little bit. But he would be ready to go every night. And uh, so the mix is really good. Uh, they do both work hard. Uh, it's fun for the players and the practice. They never want to get scored. And uh, we're having fun with them. Even me, at the end of the practice, I, I like challenging my own goalies. and They're pretty hard to score. Well, hey, 400 points in the queue. I mean, you're as good of a competition as uh, as a lot of other guys would, would offer them up. And a big shout out there to uh, Sebastian Charpentier, who, of course, had a successful queue career back in uh, the 90s with Shawinigan, good to see him doing great work with you in, in Victo. A couple of guys up front that uh, that have been uh, turning a lot of heads. They had actually very decent numbers and, and successful seasons last year, but they really have seemed to uh, brought things up to the next level. And one guy in particular sort of came out of nowhere, and I'm talking about Maxime Pellerin and uh, Tommy Cormier. Cormier, who came in a very unheralded trade. Pellerin is a former first-rounder in the queue. But uh, to have that reliability and to see them really come on strong this season, that, that, that's got to be uh, uh, something very pleasing for you and your staff to watch behind the bench. For sure. Um, they're quite a duel. And uh, right now they're playing with Tomo Belgarde, who's an overage. And uh, my, my, my boss went to get Tomo Belgarde for reasons, and he, he's showing us why. And... Uh, He's just a mature player, and he brings his A game every night, which helps our two other players. And uh, Max Pellerin has been our captain um, for the last almost year, and um, he's just someone that we drafted in the first round. He's from Victoriaville. Um, he's really good in school. He's good with the, the pe people here, the fans, and uh, now he's having a hell of a season. Uh, he works hard every day. He does improve himself. Uh, he always has the right questions. He challenges coach in a good way. He wants to get better every day. And when we went to get Tommy Cormier last year, well, uh, first practice, first game, I was really surprised. And I was like, wow, what a player that we have right now. And uh, I was lucky enough to, to have him. Um, too bad he got injured after Christmas because our team would have been, I'm, I'm guaranteed, I'm sure that we would have finished uh, above what we did finish if we had Tommy Carmi healthy, but uh, those two are doing really good. And um, I'm lucky to be coaching them because they're great kids. They want to learn. They've got a really good hockey sense and they, they've got a good chemistry together. You won, I think most people would agree, the, the most unique President Cup championship in league history. Uh, when you look back now, kind of a couple years removed from the protected environment, what's kind of the, the biggest thing that you're most proud of as a coach? Um, all the sacrifice we did uh, for that year, winning that cup, uh, we were just all committed. And uh, we did spend 53 days at the hotel together. And uh, raising that cup on day 53, well, it means a lot. It means a lot for the team. It means a lot for the city. It means a lot for me. 
uh, I was away from my family, my kids for 53 days. And uh, obviously raising the cup in front of them was something special. And uh, sometimes, you know, yes, it was a special year, but you know what? It's probably, it was the, the year, the, the most difficult year to win it. And in, in a certain way. And um, we were just all together. We were so tight. And uh, I will keep memories for life. Um, again, the sacrifice were huge. Everybody was in. Uh, even some players that I had to scratch uh, were crying when we did raise the cup. Um, so it was something special. And, uh, you know, it was we didn't play that many games uh, throughout the season. But it was... It was a challenge to build a team with all the trades we did and not playing a lot of games, and we did. And uh, obviously, we had a lot, a lot of leadership. We had really good junior players, you know, sometimes not the biggest names, not the one who will play in the NHL, but uh, it, was, uh, it was an honor for me coaching them. Well, you've, you've got a President Cup in the, in the Rafters in Victoriaville uh, as a coach. You've got one as a player, and you've even got your lucky number 97 up there to boot, Carl. And I'm sure that's only going to be the tip of the iceberg uh, for you as you uh, continue on. So, Carl, we're going to leave it at that for now. But thanks so much for joining us. Good luck the rest of the year. My pleasure, guys. Anytime. Thank you. Thanks, Carl. And a big thanks once again to Carl Millette for joining us here on the Hockey News on the Cube, brought to you by BetMGM. Great early season in Victoriaville and uh, as he's proven already Jamie um, more than likely he's going to st- keep getting those results out of, out of that crew up there yeah really really great start for them and I, I think most of us are kind of surprised by uh, the start by the Teague and um, but like a lot a lot of what he said it kind of makes sense and you know um, I'm I'm surprised by it. I don't know about you, Will, but I'm surprised by it. Um, just given where they were last season, given that they won the championship the year before, it does seem like they're a little bit ahead of schedule, but it is still early, uh, a little bit anyway. Uh, so we'll see if they can continue that. Yeah, def- definitely, Jamie. Uh, no, I don't think anybody would have predicted this. An improvement, for sure. Uh, the the, the uh, cards were uh, lined up to, for that to happen, and Carl's yeah. a great coach to make it happen. But this is very surprising and very good to see Carl uh, absolutely f- fully deserving him and his staff for that success sure. so far. Yeah. Speaking of success, um, let's talk about a team that we keep joking may never lose again. And every week we say it, it seems to be less of a joke. That's the Quebec Rampar who are second in the CHL this week and once again first in the queue. Points in 15 straight games. Just, Jamie, uh, we could be watching history here. Yeah, and I I guess I was a little bit caught off guard when I started to see the tweets the past couple of weeks saying, like, they're on historically good pace. Um, just because, you know, I think we knew going into the season that they were a good team, but I don't know if many of us would have thought they're one of the greatest constructed junior teams of all time, which is kind of where they're on pace to be. Um so we'll see how that goes. And I mean, there's, they're just such a deep team. And we've talked about that top line, um, Rochette, Wah, Bolduc, uh, quite a few times on this show. Uh, but they've got five players with 20 or more points. So they've got, they've got depth, um, just a, an excellent team. And not to, not to diminish what they've done already, but I'm really curious to see what they do um, at Christmas just because um, – Will they, how big will they go at the trade deadline? Um, and the reason why I kind of wonder that is because this is kind of a 
maybe kind of a last dance situation for Patrick Waugh. There's no guarantees that he's coming back. Um, there's a lot of questioning over whether he'll be back um, behind the bench of the Remparts. And um, obviously he's been such a fixture there for so long too. So to maybe this will be kind of a, a big, big trade deadline for Remparts for uh, a team that uh, we've seen them kind of go all in in the past, but maybe not as big as, um, you know, what St. John did last year. Yeah, uh, definitely. The, the rumors are already swirling, uh, you know, around certain locales of who uh, might be uh, making their way uh, to Quebec uh, come Christmas time. As far as their record goes, you know, you look at a team like Miranda Randa three years ago. You know, that team, you know, if you looked at it on paper, there was a lot of stars. Don't get me wrong. You know, Noah Dobbs and Raphael Harvey Panera and guys like that, Alex Bocage. Yeah just to name a few, but I mean, they didn't stand out in the way other, you know, top notch Q teams have throughout history, but sometimes yeah. just the stars align. People stay healthy. Sometimes yeah. it's the division you're in, in the case of Quebec in the East division, you know, they, they have maybe a little bit of an easier go, mm-hmm. which brings me to my point. You're wondering what they're going to do at Christmas, Jamie. I wonder what they're going to do this week because here comes big test. Number one for Patrick was Rampart. They are home to the second-place Sherbrooke Phoenix on Wednesday. They go to Ramouski on Friday, and then it's a date in Sherbrooke with those same Phoenix on Sunday. Going to be a very interesting week for that crew. Yeah, this is going to be an exciting week. First meeting of the year between uh, Quebec and Sherbrooke, and to see them playing twice in the same week, that'll be that'll be really exciting. Um, really curious to see what both teams do. I, you know, Sherbrooke had a bit of a disappointing result uh, last week. Um, so curious to see how that plays out and, um, probably going to be a battle between those two at the top of the standings, um, uh, for the next few months. So, um, these head to head meetings are, are going to be crucial, uh, going down the stretch. And speaking of success, well, Jamie, you're a fan of all sports, of you know, about the sports illustrated curves, right? Yes. Okay, well, I think we might be the opposite here on uh, the Hockey News on the queue because about two weeks ago, we uh, we were uh, not flattering towards the Cape Breton Eagles. They were 1-8-2 and two at that point. And ever since then, they have said, shut up, Will, shut up, Jamie. They've won six in a row at this point. Uh, another uh, three for three week, week last week. And uh, they, they really they really seem to have found their foothold. And, you know, Jamie, in a way, it just seemed like all it took was to get that one win out of the way and, and things started to roll. Yeah, I mean, kind of a crazy turnaround, really, just to see what one win can do to your season. It feels like it's completely turned around after that win over the Mooseheads. Um, you know, the interesting thing about the Eagles to me is that we've, we see teams all the time get off to just bad starts for whatever reason. Um, but then we typically see them take off like this after a while, whether they get injuries back or see it a lot with players um, at NHL camps. Once they come back, the team start to take off. Um, but I don't think many of us really thought the Eagles were <laughs> this caliber of a team. I think a lot of us thought, you know, they're going to they're gonna pick up some wins eventually, but they're not going to go on a ridiculous pace that we've seen them on. So um, the big question, same question as I had, we've had last week, the week before is just, what are the Eagles and how good are they? Um, Cause I think most of the time when you see a team that's as streaky, they're probably somewhere in the middle. Um, but I, I still don't know if the Eagles are, are quite near the, the upper echelon of, uh, of a six game win streak. Yeah, no, I, I do tend to agree with you, Jamie. I mean, and it's not to, uh, 
uh, cast aside anything that they have done because, mm-hmm. you know, any six-game winning streak is, is very impressive. Mm-hmm. It came from behind to, to beat Chikudami on, on uh, Sunday um, in uh, in rather impressive uh, fashion. So, you know, they, they're a little bit battle-tested. Oliver Shatney's the player of the week, uh, their, goal, their goaltender recent pickup. So you know, they have a lot of things going for them. Um, they also have Thomas uh, Lavoie, the number one overall pick in last uh, June's Q draft, coming back from the world under 17s. 17s. But they do lose Ivan Ivan, uh, who is uh, reportedly out for about a week or two. And uh, and not at a great time, as Ivan Ivan was just starting to get rolling in his season. Okay. And the team now makes its way to Quebec for a three-game road trip. They're in Rimouski on Wednesday, Bakemo Friday, Chikudami on Saturdays. So, you know, it's, it almost feels like, uh, Jamie, in a way, they, they've, you know, they, they've beaten level one here in the game. Now they're going to level two. Let's see how they can react. Yeah, and you know, an interesting thing about this this road trip is, you know, we all know that no trip to Quebec is ever easy for Maritimes Division teams, especially for the Eagles, where the every trip's a long road trip for them. Um, but this is, a, you know, of a, of of a Quebec road trip, this is probably one of the easier road trips you could do on paper, at least. Uh, Ramouski Bay, Kamoshikudemi, those are all winnable games. Um, so curious to see if the Eagles can keep this going because they they have the opportunity to to really pick up some more wins. And as of uh, of note as well, Shikudmi actually gets their head coach back. Yannick Jean was also at West, wasn't coaching with the under-17s, but he was scouting European players for the import draft next summer. So speaking of summer, let's talk about last summer. And let's talk in particular about the last week of June 2022, when Jamie, you and I were uh, enjoying each other's company at TD Station uh, for the uh, Memorial Cup. And we saw four very talented teams in the St. John Sea Dogs, the Hamilton Bulldogs, Schwinnigan Cataracts, and the Edmonton Oil Kings. Well, we can't say the same thing about them right now. It's not like it's, it's big headlines that teams regress after a Memorial Cup appearance. But generally, all four don't quite regress the way that these four have. It's, uh, uh, you know, we talked about historic things with the Ramparts. This might be history of a different kind with these four franchises. Yeah, this is uh, one of the biggest downturns, if not the biggest downturn we've seen um, in history to see all four teams in, in the basement um, the way they are right now. Um, you know, not surprising, but at the same time, you know, it is kind of alarming to see them fall off that much, I guess. I think, you know, typically you'd still have some leftover pieces that would probably be traded away later in the year, but these te- a lot of these teams anyway seems like they're they're really stripped down already even as the season's not even halfway through um but you know this kind of got me thinking well maybe you maybe you disagree but it seems like we've kind of seen an end to the trend of the super teams you know i look back on excuse me st john in the 2010s halifax the 2010s portland erie um you know those teams had good runs for a number of years and it it just feels like we haven't seen that as much over the past five years. Maybe that's because of COVID and that the the impact of seasons like that. But it seems like we've seen more of the traditional cycle uh, return. Yeah, and then you know another one I'll throw in there too is the London Knights, who mm-hmm. were perennial uh, forces to be reckoned with. Um, off they got off to a slow start this year uh, as well, which is something that that's uh, almost unheard of. And you know. I think one of the reasons, Jamie, if, if I was to, uh, to take a guess at it, 
you look all around, you look at everything above the junior level. Everything's getting younger. The NHL is becoming a younger league. The AHL is becoming a younger league. You know why? You know we do these uh, team profiles uh, for the NHL teams every every week, and I look at the AHL rosters, and it actually kind of strikes me odd when I see somebody over the age of you know twenty six, twenty seven mm-hmm. on those rosters. It's a yeah. young guys league nowadays, and that's got to have a trickle down effect here. Uh, if you look at the quality of twenty year olds throughout major junior. That's not a knock against the current 20-year-old situation in the CHL. But quite frankly, you don't see uh, the high, high end. Certainly, very rarely, an NHL-drafted 20-year-old come back to junior Mm -hmm. for that final season. I think that's part of what we're seeing here. I'd say the one that surprises me the most, though, in a way, though, is the WHL because they are drafting their kids at Mm -hmm. 14 and 15 as opposed to 15 and 16. There's a little more staying power Guys are getting into the league a little bit sooner, and as a result, we saw some teams like the Kelowna Rockets uh, back in the 90s, the Kamloops Blazers, able to build those teams up. Portland, as you mentioned, and and sustain uh, and sustain some success or have sustained success. I'm trying to say here, um, there's a few things conspiring, I think, to prevent that from happening. It's great for all the other teams who who, who sure. were not, yeah. you know, the Rockets, the Winterhawks, the Sea Dogs, the what have you. But uh, I just think the overall landscape of the game is changing to the point that that becomes a very difficult thing to do and maintain that success year over year. Yeah, I completely agree. And, you know, another thing I'll add to that is all those teams I listed, and you added London, um, those are teams that typically get a lot of the guys who have U.S. college intentions and right. we're starting to see a lot of those guys actually continue on and go to those U.S. colleges. So um, maybe we're just seeing um, less higher-end talent to the more uh, higher-end teams, and that's impacting their their cycles. Definitely, definitely. And that one, too, just as a quick uh, uh, ending to that, that that is also helping two other um, three other factors really and uh, one's the ushl of course mm-hmm. the uh, u.s national team we just saw what they were capable of doing at the under 17s last week and they absolutely mm-hmm. pasted team canada red and uh, we're also seeing that the canadian junior a ranks uh, succeed as a result as as well the bchl and the aj uh places like that are able to retain their top talent as well that don't want to go to the major junior ranks yeah. So, you know, we talked about the West Coast with the U17s. Let's stay on the West Coast and talk about the NHL. It's our NHL team profile of the week. This week, we're talking about the Los Angeles Kings. Now, Jamie, this is a franchise that historically doesn't really shop QMJHL a whole lot, but when they do, they tend to hit it pretty well. Yeah, and I don't think that's a huge shock to any of us. I think probably the geographically the, the furthest away, so I guess it kind of makes sense. But, yeah, no. Um, there are some really notable names within the, the, the Kings organization. I think, obviously, Philip Deneau is probably the most prominent. Um, and then Jordan Spence, who we all know very well. Um, but Angus Booth, I believe, is the only, the only uh, Q player drafted right now. So, um, yeah, not a lot. But I guess it kind of makes sense when you think about it from uh, geographic reasons anyway. Yeah, for sure, Jamie. There's, uh, you know, every team sort of also has their own uh, mentality. Sometimes... Teams will uh, and scouting staffs will uh, tend to uh, favor uh, certain uh, certain leagues more than others. It's mm-hmm. just one of those things. But you know, talking about how they they don't draft out of the queue a lot. Well, uh, Booth 
and Spence are two of only three guys that have been drafted out of the queue by the Kings in the past 10 years. That's, that's, wild. that's, that, that's, that's almost impossible to think. And, you know, talking about Angus Booth, I was uh, talking to um, the uh, uh, brain trust of the Schwinnigan Cataracts last year um, during the President Cup final. And one of the things that uh, Stefan Mondo, um, their um, general manager, brought up was uh, Angus Booth, who was hurt for the first half of last mm-hmm. year. Uh, he mentioned, you know, you watch this kid, although he's not, you know, getting the same attention as certain other guys in the league, this kid's going to get drafted. And somebody's going to be very lucky to get him. Sure enough, LA picked him up in round four back uh, in uh, the summer. So, and a reliable uh, member of that President Cup winning team for sure. You mentioned Jordan Spence. Uh, first time I ever heard of that kid. He was a 16-year-old playing for the Summerside Western Capitals in the Maritime Junior Hockey League, playing Junior A. And uh, the first time I ever saw him in Junior A, I said that kid should be a major junior right now. The Summerside Western Capitals are very lucky. Within a year, he was, uh, he was a top rookie in the queue, and he was a top defenseman two years running in the queue as well and has already had uh, some success at the NHL level. And Philippe Deneau, of course, we all know, uh, one of the better two-way centers to come through the league uh, in the past uh, 10, 15 years, I would say. For sure. For and, sure. uh, yeah, we'll mention one other player, only because I got to get this team name in here, Jamie. Uh, he's the only guy on their ECHL roster. That's Anthony Beauchamp, who uh, played uh, for Bake Mo, Cape Breton, and Gatineau in the mid-teens. 2014 to 2018 he is a proud member of the greenville south carolina swamp rabbits name me a better name for a team i'll wait no can't be done i'll be here all day waiting <laughs> oh excellent team name good logo too if you if uh, very if good yeah the yeah. whole stick carrot thing you know chef's kiss the uh the chl is some good teams like the savannah savannah ghost pirates expansion mm-hmm. team just started too that's a good one yeah, they've always had the, those those trendier sort of names. It, it, it definitely it, it makes them stand out for sure. And also every year becoming more and more of a successful conduit to uh, the NHL. So yeah, especially with uh, with goaltending. Absolutely, absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about the future coming up from the queue. Our 2023 draft prospect of the week. Plays uh, defense for the Moncton Wildcats. He's a B-rated prospect for the 2023 NHL draft, and his name is Etienne Morin. Jamie, when you're not traveling the continent, by the way, Jamie's in Portland, Oregon right now. Not as Portland, we speak. Maine, Portland, Oregon. Yeah. Yes, that is correct. <laughs> Following the uh, Calgary Hitmen, uh, by coincidence, on a road trip, I'm about to watch the Winterhawks play. Um, but when you're home in St. John, you're an hour and a half down the road from this guy. What have you seen from Etienne Morin? over the past year and a bit well the thing that i've always liked about him is that he he likes to shoot he likes to get the puck on net um but he seems like he's really good at his shot selection it seems like i've noticed especially the last most recent game i watched him play against st john i i noticed that he was really picking his shots well wasn't really you know shooting it in the lags and, and things like that so um just seems to be like a smart offensive player um averaging over a point per game as a 17 year old i mean that's pretty excellent um, I think he's kind of projected to be in that third, fourth round in the NHL draft uh, heading into this year. Um, I feel like there's just not a ton of buzz around him, which is a little surprising for a, a defenseman that's averaging over point per game. But I'm um, curious to see how he 
progresses um, over the next few months into his draft. Um, I do know from, from talking to a few people, I think his skating is one of the, the areas of improvement that he needs to focus on. So uh, be interested to see how he can kind of uh, keep pace uh, against older guys in the league. Yeah. And, you know, he is one of those type of guys who he compensates by being just so strong on the puck, making the smart right play, you know, taking the extra look, things like that. So, you know, uh, legs, um, you're right, probably do have to catch up to him a little bit. But at the same time, as you said, Jamie, you know, you're a point of game defenseman in uh, major junior at 17. There's a lot more positives and negatives there. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how he Rounds into shape with an up-and-coming Wildcat team that's uh, still in second place in the Maritime Division. And uh, keeping the focus on the Maritimes, you know, we talked about Cape Breton Eagles already. Let's give them a little more love. Their player, of the, the player of the week in the queue is Oliver Sat- Shatney, goaltender. And uh, Jamie, you know, he went 2-0 in the week, uh, another shutout. Uh, this time against Charlottetown Islanders. I can honestly say, and all the time I've uh, watched this league, I don't think I've ever seen a circumstance quite like this where a goaltender who, let's be honest, it's not like Olivier, Oliver Shatney was heralded. He's good. But it wasn't, a, you know, it wasn't supposed to be the superstar pickup coming to what was the worst team in the league at that point and just absolutely finding new uh, new life basically with this team and helping bring that team from one eight and two to almost 500 it's incredible yeah and i i I think when that trade happened i don't even think we mentioned it on this show because it was so uh you know down the news cycle this didn't Mm -hmm. seem like a huge trade to even really bring up but this is a, a crazy turnaround um I guess, you know, when you look at his numbers, not really surprising that the Eagles are having this kind of run when they've got a goaltender putting up those kinds of numbers. Um, And this is great news for the Eagles because I think when you look at a team like Cape Breton, um, who's young, is going to make mistakes on the back end, I think you want to have a good goaltender and a goaltender that can face a lot of shots. So um, obviously a great pickup for Cape Breton, and this might be the trade that really turned their season around. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, also somebody who can uh, spell uh, the the guy who was the incumbent number one, Nicholas uh, Ruccia, uh, from time to time. He, he's done everything that the Eagles could have possibly uh, asked of him. And of course, he is the goaltender on the Q's team of the week. Um, there's a, there's a, quite a few Cape Breton connections, actually, on the team of the week. Uh, uh, Jamie, uh, Zachary Gravel, former Eagle, got traded about two weeks ago to Shikudami. He's a forward on the team this year, this week, I should say, as is William Vayette of uh, Schwinnigan. Josh Lawrence, who was briefly a seed, uh, briefly an Eagle and for a long time a Sea Dog. I was hoping yeah. you mentioned that. That's the that's a deep that, cut. That is. Thank you. Yes. Um, 101 points with the Sea Dogs last year. He got flipped to the Eagles and then subsequently to Blainville, where he is. Uh, where he had a very strong week last week. On the back end, another eagle, Xavier Dig, and uh, Vincent Maisonneuve of Gatineau running out that team. So this week, you know, we already mentioned it, Jamie. Big uh, pair of tilts between Sherbrooke and Quebec. Probably going to uh, be uh, uh, certainly the biggest measuring stick we've seen uh, for both of those teams so far this week. Uh, certainly something that I can't wait to see uh, pan out. What are you looking forward to this week? 
Yeah, those Quebec Sherbrooke games are going to be fun. Um, I'm a little a little disappointed that one's on a Wednesday night and the other's on a Sunday afternoon, I think. So I'm hoping the players get amped up for that, even though um, it's not you know the ide- ideal time to play a, a huge game. But uh, hopefully those those are going to be good games. I know I'm, I'm going to hopefully try and check out those, those games if the time zone uh, is kind to me. Um, and then the other games, just bringing it all the way back to our favorite team, the Eagles. Um, I'm really interested about this road trip because this is um, three winnable games. Like I mentioned earlier, Muskie Bay, Kamosh, Kudami. They can they have the chance to keep this rolling. So uh, I'll be curious to see if they can do that. Yeah, we all we're all sort of waiting to see uh, how that goes, uh, both with Cape Breton and uh, all the teams in the league. As uh, you know, we uh, quickly approach a trade period in the holidays, and uh, as the news unfolds, you're going to want to keep up with it here on the Hockey News on the Queue, brought to you by BetMGM. Big thanks to Carl Millette for joining us uh, on this episode, as well as our producer behind the scenes, Connor Somerville, for his continued great work. For Jamie Tozer, I'm Will McLaren. We'll see you next week.